Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. What'd you have to go and make me cry for? I haven't even started yet. <laughs> and there probably will be some, so bear with me. Um, he did speak of hardships, so I guess I'll just put that out there. This month is a hard month. At the end of this month, will be 14 years. And while some say, well, it's been 14 years, but when it's your baby that has been taken, 14 years feels like sometimes 14 minutes. But anyway, I do want to honor Sister Rice and Brother Rice. I couldn't ask, I couldn't dream, I couldn't pray for a better pastor and pastor's wife. And They weren't there whenever the real, real hard, dark times, but I tell you what, they're there for everything and some other darker times that we, you know, because families and life, life just gives you dark stuff sometimes. It gives you the black jelly beans. <laughs> I don't like that, obviously. If you like black jelly beans, then pick a flavor that you don't like. <laughs> Plug it in there. So I do want to start off by praying, if we could, um, just because I want God's will. You know, I was back there and I was praying, and honestly, I don't want to be the pilot of this life or this even service. I want to be the co-pilot. I want him to take the wheel. And so if we could just go to God in prayer real quick, just for this service, just for his words and his inspiration and his will to be done. So you all have heard of the term, it takes a village. And it does. It takes a village to raise your kids. You can start off thinking, I've got this. I'm going to raise this child, and it's going to be me. You need a village. You need a village. But be picky about your villagers. Be selective of your villagers, especially in this day and time. If you have young children... Be picky about your villagers because your little natives running around needs a good villager. They need positive. They need godly. They need Holy Ghost filled, not just anybody. I'm kind of flipping around here. God likes to flip things around. So I had to number my pages, honestly, to put it back in order. But I am going to start off by saying this. Villagers, one of the my main Positive Voices actually is no longer here. And it was Sister Debbie Fritchley. There was a time my kids were young and unruly. Lord have mercy, Sister Rice, you remember how unruly. <laughs> there was an issue with trim and wallpaper, but we won't go there. Yeah. Bless your little heart, Lucas. <laughs> but I was sitting on probably about where out the dwarfs and everybody were sitting, and they were sitting in their, their perspective places. They always sat in that back row, about the middle. And I was flustered, and I was exhausted, and just kind of feeling at the end of my rope. 
and feeling like, okay, I must have done something, something to like mess these kids up because, oh my word, you've been raised in church. Why don't you know better? <laughs> and so at the end of service, I'm like trying to get all of the mess because why did they shred paper? Um, and trying to get all the stuff and, and make it look like nobody was ever there. And as I turned, she caught my eye and very, very gently looked at me and said, you're a good mom and you're doing a good job. And every, oh. sorry. <laughs> Thank you. She said, you're doing a good job. I don't think I ever got to convey to her how much that meant. So I'm going to speak directly right now to you and to you and to Sister Mallory, who's obviously, you know, and to Sister Sianda, you're a good mom. Sister Lindsay, you're a good mom. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. You're doing a great job. I don't care how noisy they are, and I wish, I cannot think of your son that comes with, cannot think of his name. I'm sorry? Tyler. He does such a great job with those kids. And I, I told him a few months back, or actually last month, I said, I don't know if you know Sister Deborah Critchley. And she said, he said, oh, yeah. And I kind of told him that story, too. I said, you're doing good. Keep bringing them. Keep bringing them. You're, you're doing good. All right, so we're back on track now because, you know, I said what God said to say, and now we're going back to my notes. I was back there numbering these things because, yeah, because that was going to happen. They were going to fall. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. Make no mistake, there is a war. And it's for your children. Satan is no longer worried about the majority of the people that are sitting on these pews anymore. We're bonus. If he can get us, he's okay with that. But he wants your children. And evil does not lurk in the scary alleys or the dark hallways or behind a creepy-looking guy like it was whenever I was a kid. You almost kind of pick out the kind of creepy looking ones and you knew to stay away from them. No, now they look like your Sunday school teachers or your school teachers or your bus drivers or somebody like that. You have to be aware. You have to discern. You have to be prepared. And how do you be prepared? I, was, I thought this was such an odd way or odd direction for God to take this because this is not a Mother's Day per se and it's not typical, and like I told somebody before church, but then again, I'm not typical, so we're just going to go with it because this is the way that God decided to go. Evil has grown desperately bold, desperately bold. It doesn't hide anymore. Like I said, it's, it's in our libraries. It's right in front of our faces, and they don't care. They do not care, so we need to be desperately bold. We don't need to cower down anymore. We don't need to excuse or apologize for our stance and our beliefs and our standards. We don't need to apologize for this anymore. 
they want to stand and they want to be have no apologetics about the way that they live and what they want to bring to your children, then we need to stand just as bold and say no. Absolutely not. Like I said, it, if he obtains us, he's okay with that. We're probably, you know, most of us in here are just about over half our life. He doesn't have much time, you know. We don't have much effect for the future, but these little ones, our teenagers, they do. And he may be evil, and he may be cruel and awful, but he's smart. He's smart. That's about the only compliment I'm going to give him. <laughs> so Ephesians 6, 10 through 11 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 14 through 17 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt with the truth. Belt of truth. This is key. Belt of truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And I love how the word clarifies this, which is the word of God. Yeah. When I was studying this, I ran across the word buckler and I thought, so I was looking up all the different kinds of shields, shield of faith, okay? You know, what kind of shield would they may have used? And the one, that, and it literally was bold on my, my screen, buckler. Every time I'd look down, buckler, buckler, buckler. And I thought, why, why does that sound familiar? I know there, that there's something about that word buckler. Proverbs 2, 7 says, he layeth up sound wisdom in the righteous. He is a buckler to them who walk uprightly. Who's he? Our God. He's our buckler. Psalms 18 and 30 says, as for God, his way is perfect. His way is so perfect. The word of God, the word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. So buckler, what is a buckler? A buckler is, is a shield. I had to look this up. I'm like, okay, so what are they comparing God to, that he's comparing him to a shield. But you would think it would be a big, thick, heavy shield. It's not. It's small. And guess where it hangs? On the belt. On that belt of truth. The buckler is more for hand-to-hand -hand combat, more up-close and personal combat. How does the enemy attack you? Does he stand in the streets and scream at you? Or does he plant things in your mind? Does he whisper things? Does he tell Sister Mallory right now because her child is, is voicing, and I'm not picking you out, but how many times does that enter your head? I'm a distraction. I just need to go upstairs. I don't need to come back. Why do I even come to church? Lies of the devil. Lies of the enemy. They are not a distraction. Half the time when I see him do something like that, I'm like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> and then I go back to your message, I promise. <laughs> but he's, it, they're not a distraction. They're not. They're, they really aren't. 
you know, and then you got Jonathan. He's got the cutest little pouty face. I'm like, oh my word, just give him what he wants. How can you say no? Because I'm not his mom. People used to tell me that about Lucas too. They're like, oh, look at his eyes. And I'm like, yeah, look at those eyes. There's a lot behind those eyes. So we're going to move on. So it goes on to say, moved ahead too, too long, too far. So it goes on with the different pieces of the armor of God. When we equip our children with the armor of God, according to the word, it starts with the belt of truth. And like I said, the buckler hangs on there. So does the sword. So does the word. Let's go back to what is the belt of truth? What is the truth? Honestly, we say we love this truth. What is it? Is it the way we dress? No. Is it um, just simply being filled with the Holy Ghost? Not really. It's a, it's a bunch of things. It's a, it's a conglomerate of things. Ultimately, whenever I was thinking about what is truth, what is truth? Truth is a God that is bigger than what we can comprehend loved each and every one of us so much, so much, that he decided to go, okay, I'm not flesh, but I'm going to bring flesh. And I don't hurt, but I'm going to hurt. And I am going to be humiliated and tortured and just completely all but before death hang on a cross. Why? We weren't going to be tortured for our sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you will have to die for your sin. You no, no, it was an animal. He didn't even want us to have to kill an animal. This was not to keep us from torture and to keep us from being humiliated. It simply was to make it easier. How many times do we do things and go out of our way as mothers, as parents, for our children just to make it easier for them? And it may be like, I'm exhausted. I'm going on two hours sleep. And don't test me because I'm doing this for your God. But that's not the way he looked at it. He looked at it as I love them so much. The God of bigger than the universe made himself small, not less powerful, just small, to be humiliated and tortured and die. To me, that's truth. And I could be wrong, but that's truth. That's what we hang our word on. Why would we serve a God any other way, for any other reason, really, because he's our personal God, because he is so magnificent and beyond borders, but he brought himself within borders because of his love. So we're going back to that shield where we did shield. I come across, okay, the breastplate of righteousness, and I asked my husband this, and hopefully I don't get like mixed, like, no, I never felt that, but righteousness Sometimes is very derogatory towards a Christian. Look at that self-righteous Christian. They are so righteous. Look at them. Am I on a wrong track there? Um, when I looked up righteousness, and this is the breastplate. This is covering the, the vital organs, the heart. The heart. It does, the word does kind of sound haughty and indignant. But... Isn't that like the enemy? To turn something around that is so good. 
Whenever I looked up righteousness, the words for similarity were goodness, virtue, uprightness, decency, worthiness, morality, honor, purity, nobility, innocence. How fitting. How fitting. What, what mother or what parent would not want that to be in the heart of their child, in the heart of anybody? They, God said that for a reason. He's so intentional. He didn't just happen chance say, okay, let's name these things and give them like little terms. No, he's very intentional. He knew what he was doing. He always knows what he is doing. Those attributes, whenever you pray the shield of righteousness on them, I mean the breastplate of righteousness, I'm sorry. Whenever you pray that, you're changing your child's life. Honestly, feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace, not the gospel of salvation. And I found this quite interesting, the gospel of peace. Whenever you were not in the church, did you want somebody coming up and pointing their finger in your face and say, you're going to hell and you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do this and be abrasive? Or would you rather, did you listen to somebody who came in peace? The gospel of peace. We cannot attack people with somebody with this gospel, this truth. We cannot, we can't attack them. Not one place did you see in the Bible where Jesus attacked people with his message. He was calm and he was level and he was intentional and kind and loving. We want them shod with preparation so that wherever they go, number one, peace is going to go with them, and they're prepared. You pray the word over them. You instill the word in them. You teach them. You get it in their minds. Lucas and Kira could quote it at like three, hero Israel. A lot of times, Kira, it was more like, he o and she one time told me, she, and I, I guess I was just tired. I was like, okay, good night. I love you. No, I'm like, I'm going to go collapse. And she said, he-o. What about he-o? And I'm like, not getting this. <laughs> no, I'm too tired. What in the world is he-o? And um, I want to say it was Lucas that said, Mom, you didn't say hero Israel. And I'm like, no, I did not. No, I, but we are going to now. <laughs> My children called me out. They're good for that. <laughs> Just a preview. <laughs> They're good at calling you out. You didn't do this. You said you always do. Yes, I do. The helmet of salvation. And this one I kind of battled kind of back and forth. The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Lord, you are intentional and you don't make mistakes and you don't do things happen chance. And you don't do things just like we'll throw that in there. No, helmet of salvation. Feelings are fleeting. Feelings will lie to you. Feelings do not convey truth a lot of the time. But if you know where your salvation lies, you know. Anybody got a stubborn kid who knows? I'm looking at you, Lucas. Knows, knows. And when they know something, you cannot change their mind. I don't care that that popsicle is not a dinosaur. It is a dinosaur to them. It is a dinosaur. 
But when they know something, if you have taught them, if you have instilled it in them and you have shown them and you've given them evidence, they know it. And they've got that helmet of salvation on. And just let the enemy try to come. They would be hard-pressed to try to shake that child and try to tell them something different when they know it for themselves. I don't know how I'm doing on time, brother, but I timed this several times, and it was different every time, so (laughs) anywhere from 11 to 17, so. (laughs) So I'm going to go into a little bit of my motherhood. And why, I mean, I'm bringing, I'm talking about my kids, and I'm talking about our children, but we wouldn't be mothers without our children, correct? And to me, I feel like this day is not exactly about me. It's about my kids, because I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have this day if it wasn't for my children. So, yep, sure did. Got them out of order. Glad I numbered them. So my, my journey on motherhood did not start off nice and smooth, get married, have children, la-da-da-da, picket fence, no. No, it was, okay, I'm getting married, and now I want to have a baby because babies. <laughs> and one year went by, two years went by, three years went by, four years went by. And in those four years, there was lots of doctor's visits, lots of procedures. Um... Lots of talk about infertility treatments that I had lots of scary side effects that I wasn't sure, you know, do I want to bring a child in this world but then leave it? Do I want to do that to my child? Possibly bring a child in and then then grow up without a mother? And that was a very possibility for some of the procedures and different treatments that they were talking about. When I was, I'm obviously doing a Bible study for women of faith, and we've pulled out different women of faith, and I come across Hannah. And Hannah, me, me and the girls got some things in common. You know, she didn't have babies right away, except for the second wife. There was no second wife. But I didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> there was no taunting of the second wife. Nothing like that. But... um but we, 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 we kind of, we got some similarities going on. And in the Bible, we're in 1 Samuel 1, 11 through 13. I know it's a little, little lengthy, but it says, And she vowed a vow, and she said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thy handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head, and it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, I should preface this, she's in the, she's, she's at church, and the man of God's sitting over here, kind of watching her pray, now, now you kind of get the picture, which you probably didn't knew this, but some of you might not, and it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli, man of God, marked her mouth, he noticed her mouth, it's like, Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Sometimes in life, whether it be infertility or just life, because it's not fair sometimes, it steals your voice 
and it steals your tears, and you're left just on your face before God. And you might be moving your lips, but nothing is coming out. But God heard her prayers that day. He heard her heart. He, God is not, okay, and I heard this a few years back, and I, I promise I'll get back on track. And it was um, at ladies' retreat, and she said, God did not die. He did not make himself flesh, become Jesus, and die on that cross for your healing. He did not. He did not die for your blessings. He did not die for, to, to give you a new car or a new job or anything like that. She said she, he died for your soul. That is what he died for. He did not die for anything else. He died for your soul. He's moved with compassion because of his love for us, for our blessings, and for blessing us and blessing others and, and all the extra things and our healings. He's moved with compassion. Think about that. And this is one term that irks me to win. It's not my job. Is there a job needs to be done? Then do the job. <laughs> but it's not my job. And you, there's so many of those people. It's not my job. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay in my lane, and you, you're just going to have to do it by yourself. That's not God's way of thinking at all. His job was he, he died for your soul to save you, to take you to heaven. And he's like, but I love you so much. And I don't want to see you sad. I don't want to see you torn. And I, I don't want your life to be just in turmoil. So I'm going to come out and I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make things a little better. I'm going to smooth this over for you. And it's all simply out of love for you. Just simply because he loves you. Not out of have to. And sometimes we get that wrong. We go, but I prayed for healing, but I prayed for this healing, and I pray. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But did you come to the Lord demanding? Because how many times as a, as a mom, when if your kids come in demanding, oh, nope, <laughs> that's cut off real quick. Come to me. I can't even think of the word, but, you know, kindly, not demanding. You know, asking, yes, I'm more apt to hear you. But if, how do you approach God? Do you approach him with the same love that he has given you? Or do you approach him demanding? That, that's, that's just I know. However, I kind of like Hannah, I had prayed and I begged God for a child. I made promises. I'll raise him in church. Was I in church? No. Did I know where I was supposed to be? Yes. I'll raise him in church and he will know truth and he will, he will, he will know God and he will know you. And I can just see God be like, but you don't. <laughs> Are you sure? But he did. After four years, and I did have a couple of apostolic aunts that knew how to reach heaven. And the one came to me and she said, He's opened your room. And I'm like, okay. I thought that was the weirdest thing to just walk up and tell somebody, he has opened your womb. I'm like, thank you? <laughs> she didn't even preface it with like, I have been praying for you to have a child and God has heard my you know, prayers. No, no, no. It was just literally she walked up and he's opened your womb. Do you want some tea? <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> so on November 23rd of 1999, he was seven pounds. I want you to mark how these numbers go together. Seven pounds, not the biggest baby, not the smallest, 
11 ounces. Okay, we're going average. 24 inches long. I was getting like, and, and, and I don't know how he fit. I just don't know how he fit. Two feet long. Looked like a hot dog. He was just long and skinny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He didn't really look like a hot dog, but that's what it came to mind. I literally was like, yes, he's got a fat roll. <laughs> Whenever he finally started eating. But um, flying dolphins. Um, on July 12th, 2008, I was introduced to a new kind of motherhood. When Terry and I got married, Natasha made me a girl mom. She was extremely imaginative. This girl could spin a story that would last from the house to Sparta and back. And it just kept evolving. <laughs> Very loving. And imagine, like I said, imaginative and rambunctious. Mm. Have you ever heard the term ricochet rabbit? That was her on chocolate milk. <laughs> we had gone to the hospital for my uncle. He had had a heart attack. And when I say bouncing off the walls, she was bouncing from each wall of the hospital. What are we going to do? This is the ICU. <laughs> He's like, Natasha, stop it. She's like, I'm trying. <laughs> that poor girl, we just learned to limit, like, when we gave her chocolate milk. We have a large yard. Here's the chocolate milk. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. <laughs> she even once told me, this is before we got married, but I don't think she really kind of knew how to take me. I was a new person in her dad's life. And, you know, she says, you have curly hair. I'm like, yes, I do. And she goes, I hate curly hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I had this crazy little purse. And I still have ever, always, like, second-guessed, like, why? Why did I carry that purse? It was the ugliest thing in the world. I thought so later, but um, it, had, it was like tropical. It had little monkeys on it or something. And she goes, I like your purse. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. She said, give it to me. I'm like, I, but, um, hey, Terry. Um, <laughs> I was just like, no. <laughs> That's my purse. That's my purse. The following year, I was suddenly thrown into a nameless kind of motherhood. Almost exactly one year. I was pregnant with Lucas about seven and a half months. And I got a call whenever we were at a uh, graduation party. There had been an accident. And suddenly, I was among a group of people I never, ever wanted to know what it felt like. Never wanted to know what this felt like. I feared that, you know, almost like, you know, you're, you're afraid to get burned or you're afraid of heights. I, I was afraid, you know, that was like the scariest thing ever. And it wasn't initially apparent that we had lost him in this accident. So I got that call on the way to the hospital and not by the friendliest person that was in my life. And I wasn't the friendliest person to 
to receive that information either. I, I think I might have told her she was lying and screamed in her ear, but... Um, and as we were driving, actually, I wasn't driving. That would have been, yeah, bad. A friend of mine was driving, and all of a sudden, I started to begin to have contractions. And I knew I had already lost my one and only, and I had this one. And the contractions started getting stronger. They started getting stronger. And just as I just said, don't approach God abruptly and mean, I was like, no. Not this one, too. I have to have him. He's the only thing that's going to keep me alive right now. He's the only thing that's going to sustain me. And the contractions have stopped. So we're going to fast forward through all the remainder of that day. And we're going to go to the days and the months that followed. I had a little girl that was at the house, who had lost her big brother. And she didn't know how to process it. I didn't know how to process it here. We didn't know how to process this. What do you do with this? You know, what do you do with this? How? Um, and bless his heart, Terry tried. He was like, here, watch this movie. He was thinking that this would be good. I'm like, every thing that you, you know, inspirational, their child dies. Please stop. <laughs> I can't do this. He just, he was grasping too. He was grasping. We were all grasping at something. And looking back now, and I'm looking, but I was an adult. Terry was an adult. But we had Natasha there, and she was also grasping. And we were not any good for her. tried, but I'm not sure we actually met that need. Anyway, Lucas then came along just two and a half months later. Two years, two months, and approximately two weeks later, got to keep it even, um, Kiera arrived. And the part that I did not interject earlier was after I had had Matthew we were trying to have more children, and they were like, you've got, there's just no way you're going to get pregnant again. <laughs> but God knew more. <laughs> All four have given me the opportunity to love and mother differently. Matthew ultimately needed me to trust God, both in the timing of his arrival and his departure. I had to trust God. Natasha taught me patience and grace, and mercy. She was in the weeds of us all those days, years, and months. But she was handling it as a nine-year-old, not however old I was. I don't know. I'm not good at math in my head. <laughs> a lot older. Lucas did, in fact, um, bring healing. Um, Luke, in the Bible, was a physician. And one night after I, I was, I think I was in a tub maybe, and I was just kind of melting, just felt like my world was just crumbling and falling apart. And I was trying to grasp at anything. And I started praying. And I said, God, I need you. I need, I need you to hold me together. 
And he didn't say, it's going to be okay. I've got, you know, great plans or I have a plan. No, he said this very just, just plain. His name is Luke because he will bring healing. Okay. And he did. With every giggle and bright-eyed smile, he seemingly always knew how to turn on his little boy charm. And it would make the skies part and the sun shine again. He was always laughing, always. Kiera came along, and in so many ways, she was like her brother, Matt. Always wanting to help, whether Lucas wanted her help or not. <laughs> she used to move his cereal bowl as he's taking a bite and say, you messy. <laughs> and wipe up. Like, he's like in the middle of bites, so things are dripping. And he's like, I'm eating. I'm eating. You messy. And she'd scoot it back, and of course, more milk would come out. And she's like, You're so messy. And I'm like, Sorry, bud. So, you know, everybody wants to say that I love my children the same. I love them just equally. And maybe the amount of love that you have for your children is the same, it is equal. Like, you don't love one more than another, but you do love them differently because their needs are different. Natasha's needs were different than Lucas's. Kiera's was different than Lucas and, and Natasha's. They were all different, and they needed a different kind of love, and they needed a different, maybe, amount of love at one time or another. But we still mother and diff, you know, love differently for each of our children. I'm sure Sister Graham had, you know, they, they literally were born at the same time, I mean, <laughs> but so different across the board, right? And, you know, I think it's funny at this time, there's like motherhood, flowers and Hallmark cards and, you know, just like, ah. That's not motherhood. That's not motherhood. There's lots of praying in motherhood. Like, I just need peace and quiet. And then they are, and you're like, what are they into? Not good when they're quiet. Just keep them, keep, that way you can track them. Don't pray for peace and quiet. You can track them if they're noisy. And then you pray for those terrible twos or ferocious threes to just please be done and grow up a little. And then it seems like there's a fast forward between three and 10. <laughs> and you, it's just a blur. It just is, and you start praying the opposite of for time to just slow down just a little, just a little. But the ultimate, however, prayer of a mother, of a father, of an aunt who loves her, her nieces and nephews so very much is of salvation. Salvation. I probably have prayed that more for my children, really, than anything else. Because if they have salvation, nothing else really matters, right? If something bad happens, they have salvation. I made this comment, and it may be kind of brass and maybe a little bit like, what do you, how could you say that? But I pray ultimately for my children to be saved because I know how quickly things can change and they can be taken. I know how quickly that life can just be turned completely upside down and the unimaginable phone call and feelings and, and just waves of, and tsunamis of just depression and, and, and sadness 
can enter your life, how fast that can happen. So I pray salvation first for my children. Salvation. 3 John 1 and 3 through 4 says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. There really isn't anything that can compare to hearing that your child has received the Holy Ghost, except for watching them move in the Holy Ghost. When they do something with that gift and whenever they operate in that gift and whenever you get to see them help somebody else with that gift and it be the same kid that had arms of concrete and complain about their feet and be like, can I go back from this? Because, you know, you just you can encourage your children, come to the altar, come to the altar. And they don't want to. They just don't want to. They don't want to. But you encourage them anyway. And, they, you know, the whole time they're just like, and you're going, just worship. And they're like, And your Holy Ghost is being tested because you're like, I said worship. <laughs> I may be revealing a little too much about our family <laughs> or me. But whenever you see those desperate prayers of those times when you are on your face and going, God, save my babies, or God, give me a baby, when you see those desperate prayers, literally manifested in front of you. That might top hearing they've got the Holy Ghost. That might top. And I'm going to end with this. In the beginning, I said, you need a village. And I know I kind of bounced around a little bit here, but I hope, you know, somebody or two got something since it was basically two kind of messages here. But you need a village but be particular about your village. Be prayerful. Pray for the right people because the right people, whenever they come in your life, they're not only going to pray for your children, they're going to pray for you. And you need those types of people in your life. I did not grow up with an apostolic mother, but I grew up with apostolic aunts. And as I got older and started walking in this truth, I gleaned from different ones and might sound stalkerish, but I do watch the ladies in the church. I pick up on different things, and I, you know, I can honestly say I love something about each and every woman in this room. I have gleaned something about each and every one, and it would take me the rest of the day when we miss Ava if I tried to go through and name, but I promise you, I can actually look around, and I can act, it comes to mind exactly what I love about each and every woman in here. I appreciate your walk. I appreciate your worship. I appreciate your devotion to God and to your family. Because I don't just glean from your walk with God, but I glean how you interact with your children. The first very person that I, and I was going to talk about Ruth, because I kind of felt like her and the, the Hannah thing with the second wife thing. <laughs> I kind of discarded it, but my first one that I really kind of clung to was Sister Frisbee and Redbud, and do you remember one that was really big with WWJD, what would Jesus do? I had WWSFD, what would Sister Frisbee do? She was very wise, I felt. I felt like she handled everything wisely, 
and with grace and with wit. Like, you didn't want to get into a battle of wits with her because she would cream you. <laughs> Gracefully. <laughs> but she would cream you. A few years back, I kind of cornered after church Sister Rice and Sister Leip and Sister Fritchley. And I said, I need to pick your brains. How, how did you raise children that serve God? What's the secret? I see so many. I see my own cousins that were raised in this from birth. They might have even been in birth in the church. Who knows? I mean, they like were from, from the very beginning. They have lived in the presence of God and now are so far. How? I, I, don't, I don't know what, what is that good middle even ground. And they all three agreed on the three things that I'm going to tell you. Prayer, consistency, and faithfulness. Prayer, consistency, and faithfulness. And I have never forgot. It's been a few years. But I, I like, locked it away. And so I'm going to end with this. I just want to say thank you because you all have been so gracious and so loving. And I forgot to mention somebody. I'm so sorry. But because I know I've picked other people's brains like, how did, how did you do it? I want to make sure. I want to make sure I'm not doing something wrong. I don't want to mess up my kids. So just keep praying. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.